Hello and welcome to the Product Demand Intelligence podcast. I'm Hannah Chaplin, CEO at Receptive, and this show is all about talking to interesting product and SaaS folk that have a great tale to tell and a piece of advice to share. Product Demand Intelligence gives SaaS companies the ability to know what they are building, why they are building it, and who they are building it for. And over the series, we're going to explore any topics that relate back to that theme. On today's episode, we have Pierre Grenier, who is head of the Voice of the Customer program at Zendesk. I was lucky enough to meet Pierre recently, and we talked quite a lot about his approach to problem discussions, particularly when it came to customers, and why that was so important when you're building um, a SaaS product. And I just felt this led on like really nicely from the last episode with uh, Daniel Zacharias. He talked us through his framework for leading internal stakeholders away from solution thinking and towards a problem-based approach. Um, so, Pierre, thank you um, very much for joining me. I appreciate it. Great. Um, good afternoon, Anna. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I've been um, I've been working at Zendesk since the late 2010. Uh, so I've been at Zendesk for nearly seven years. I split my Zendesk career into two. So first, uh, I was a product manager for the first three years. Um, I released features such as the Enterprise Plan, the Help Center, um, and CRM integrations. Um, and then for about uh, about three years ago, I left the product team to start uh, a native program, what we call the Voice of Customer. Uh, the program's goals are to align the roadmap with the feedback we hear from customers and prospects. And then the second goal is to provide a better customer experience uh, around feature requests. So in short, I've been actively involved in the product uh, innovation ecosystem of Zendesk since the late 2010. That's really good. You've got to kind of see things from the product view and then this kind of customer view as well but that gives you an interesting perspective and that's why I really like talking to you I think it was, I think it was the first uh, discussion we ever had was around um, you know understanding the customer and how that related back to product and you know essentially customer feedback um, so how how did you kind of discover that problem-based approach and, and like why do you think that is that's important well the way we we came to discover it it was um I would say it was a combination myself and uh, other product managers, and we obviously realized that um, you can't really build the right product, uh, an innovative product, without really understanding um, without really understanding the the problem, the underlying problem. And I have some some examples um, that um, I'm going to discuss a little bit later on, um, <clears throat> but. Um, but let's define maybe. Let's start first by defining um, kind of what are we talking about versus you know the problem versus the feature request. So um, at Zendesk we spend a lot of time on what we call pro- uh, problem discovery. Um, then we spend time on feature requests or, or ideas. Um, we listen to both, um, but we're really you know really philosophical about problem discovery. So for the sake of discussion, problem discovery is essentially understanding the why behind a feature request. So specifically what problem the person suggesting a feature is trying to solve. So um, here's a a really good example um, that we see all the time at Zendesk. So we have customers who are asking for the ability to clone or copy a knowledge base articles, um, do so because of any of the three issues. 
Um, first, they might uh, – they're probably trying to keep old versions of, of articles and therefore copying a lot of articles as they're editing. Uh, the, second, the second reason is um, they want to publish the same article in multiple knowledge-based locations. Um, or the third one is they want to publish the same articles in multiple knowledge-based instances. And so – Problem discovery is about finding and understanding those three problems in the example above. Um, it's about understanding the why and not so much not so much a what. So, um, <clears throat> and um, and as I mentioned to you, this you know understanding the problem allows us to uh, to just build um, better uh, better features. I think one thing um, I can really relate to that because one thing that surprised me when I got into kind of building software and, and into kind of like a more product management role was how you can have the same feature request five times over, but by simply asking why and trying to get to the, the root of the pain point or the issue, you can actually end up with five different reasons. And it's as if every customer has, um, you have to reach a certain level of frustration, I think, before you give uh, a feature request. And you can very often, you know, think of the solution yourself and that's what you take to the to the software vendor. Um, so, like, why do, why do you feel it's important for product managers to uh, to ask why? How does that? How do you think that approach like re- like really helps them? There's um, there's a lot of benefits for product managers to better understand the problems. Um, I want to before I do this, I just want to talk about kind of the the potential pitfalls of uh, a feature request. There, you know, feature requests are are great. Um, but you need to understand kind of what are the issues that can uh, that can come up with it, um, and we you know I see three main uh, three main issue with feature requests. So first is ideas, <clears throat> you know suggested ideas are never really fully thought through um, because customers are not able and don't have enough information to think about the whole impact, right? Um, typical misses that we see are like administration of a feature, maintenance, or just you know performance impact uh, from the request. So we understand a customer; it's not the customer responsibility to think about the entire domino effect, right? To think about oh, what are the performance issues? What are the maintenance and administration um, implications of that of that request? But at the same time. At the same time, it's completely unrealistic for a customer to expect that his or her feature requests will be implemented as is, since we believe and we've seen that there's a high chance that the feature is either not implementable or it just would lead to a poor solution. Um, the second the second issue that we see is that um, customer rarely express the importance of a feature request. So, um, so we never know if the request is just a nice to have, uh, or potentially something which will save a significant amount of time or money for the requester, and um, and this could potentially be deadly for a company uh, because you might end up building, um, you know, highly requested features which are just nice to have for the masses, but don't tackle any meaningful problem. Um, so you end up building, you know. Good features, but features that don't move the needle a ton, right? You wanna, you definitely wanna, you wanna build some of that, but you definitely wanna build things that are that solves a big problem. Um, and the third one is, um, and this is this is also really important: is customer making 
making a request actually might not be uh, aware of new features which have been developed that uh, actually might say might solve the problem that um, that they're trying to solve. So um, the risk here is that you would end up building something which is completely unnecessary. Um, and we have a I have a really good example uh, for um, for the audience. Uh, it just happened a month ago. So um, <clears throat> we have this guy Patrick, which uh, which pinged me about. Um, about the ability to add CC via triggers. Um, if you know Zendesk uh, community, you're going to see that's a fairly common request. So after um, after I asked Patrick, like, why do you need this feature? Um, I told him about another feature that um, that had been released three years ago, and it's um, it's a small feature, but it, it you know it's pretty powerful. Um, but as a result of my suggestion, uh, Patrick was super happy uh, because that old feature actually solved his problem. It was it was very simple. So then you'll say like, well, you know, this is just one example. Doesn't make it a problem really. Um, well, then you have to ask, who, you know, who is Patrick? So Anna, do you, take a guess. Do you know Do you know who Patrick is? I have no idea. So Patrick actually has been a Zendesk administrator within multiple support teams for the last four years. Not only that, not only that, he's been working at Zendesk for the last two years. He's wow. a Zendesk administrator for the Zendesk support team for two years. So if Patrick doesn't know that this feature existed, then few people who are re requesting this other feature probably don't know. And that is a really good example as to Sometimes customers, they ask for a feature, they make a feature request, but they don't know that another feature might actually solve the, uh, solve the problem. So how do you like, deal with that then on, ongoing, like, particularly at the scale that, that Zendesk is at? Are there any kind of like, things that you've done to try and uh, kind of help surface those uh, kind of answers to the, the questions and the feature requests that, that you get in or is it or is it a case it goes back to this whole philosophy and a, an approach that you have of you know getting to the bottom of why because very often when you do that the answer becomes kind of apparent so good question we have lots of room to uh, well t I mean typically we get involved in the community people will share um, you know, a Zendesk employee will share potential solutions with uh, people making the request. Um, but um, this, I would say, this is one aspect uh, that um, we can we can get better at. So, uh, and we are we have some plans around this on how to make the community experience kind of feature request problem uh, problem feedback or product feedback area better. Um, but we're not um, we're not. There, we're not there yet in terms of you know of, of sharing those plans right now um, so but um, uh, yeah typically we get involved and we try you know we try to share as much possible uh, potential you know of, of a given feature request potential uh, ideas or other features that might solve the issue yeah and, and I think those three points you covered there about the the pitfalls of, of the feature request are actually a really nice takeaway for product managers and you know why this whole approach should um, should matter to them, um, and then when you think about your product teams, is there is there anything you'd like to add about uh, kind of where you why this uh, approach is so effective for them? 
Yeah. So, um, so on that front, I mean, um, hopefully for most product managers, this, this, uh, this is an apparent thing, but, um, like before, uh, I think one thing that I find, uh, helpful to explain to non-product people is, um, why problem discovery is important is I want to talk about kind of the driving forces of software and, and tech companies. Um, we see kind of, at least I think it's California and, and around the world, um, one thing that's consistent is um, there's a ton of disruption. So um, we have startups, we have tons of them, which are well-financed, um, you know, and they're trying to challenge incumbents, right? So for instance, let's just take at, just take a look, you know, Facebook, Tesla, Netflix, Airbnb, these companies didn't exist 15 years ago, um, and now they're completely disrupting their, you know, their industry. So they came, they innovated, they they really challenged, um, uh, challenged an industry a, um, a, with their approach. So it does. Um, so it doesn't matter. The, the takeaway here is it doesn't matter what type of tech company you work for. The management um, and everybody in the company wants to drive product innovation either to challenge an industry or if you're the incumbent to remain a leader, right? So um, what's important to know is that the stewards and, and the leaders of that innovations and the, within the tech companies are typically product managers, designers, uh, and engineers. So their, you know, their job is to ideate, design, and, and really build innovative features um, to increase product adoption, right? So, um, and to achieve those results, um, at least the way I see it is the most important skill is creativity. Um, so I'm not saying here that, uh, creativity is the only thing you need to have. Obviously, if you're an engineer, uh, for instance, you need to have the technical chops. Um, but what we've seen at Zendesk, uh, is that, you know, people who do, uh, do best tend to be creative thinkers. So when you provide a feature request to a product team, you're essentially saying like, don't think or don't be creative, just implement what I'm asking for. Right. And then as a result, you know, product managers, designers, and engineers don't really feel empowered, uh, and appreciated anymore. So unfortunately, this is not really a place where anyone wants to be, right? So um, <clears throat> we have a really good example um, at Zendesk. In, uh, actually, in 2010, many of our customers started asking for, uh, for surveys. And the general feedback in the communities was, you know, just please just build a full-fledged survey capabilities, something like, you know, a SurveyMonkey type um, uh, product or module. So instead of instead of doing you know doing that, um, product manager at the time started started calling customers and interviewing customers. And then what uh, what he realized is that you know folks or potential buyers or users um, cared about um, you know having a survey that was super easy to use uh, would drive really high response rates. And would be benchmarkable, meaning you'd be able to benchmark it across, you know, different um, across different customers or across your customer base. So, and you know, so based on that information, instead of like 
building another SurveyMonkey. Uh, we build a super basic but really powerful feature. Um, and you guys might be, if you're a Zendesk customer, you'll be aware of it. It's called the customer satisfaction ratings. Um, this is by no means a SurveyMonkey replacement, but it satisfies most customers most of the time. In fact, um, it's actually one of our most adopted feature at Zendesk. And most importantly, we build, you know, we build this at a fraction of the cost, which means we were able to get uh, engineering resources to build other very important functionality instead of building kind of nice to have features within within the survey space. So uh, hopefully the you know hopefully the story is gives you an idea of why understanding the problem is is so critical. Um, but in summary, is when you know when you define a problem, you're providing you know, the product development team with what we call an innovation envelope. And the innovation envelope defines the boundaries of the solution rather than providing the solution itself. And we think it's just uh, a better way to uh, to engage with uh, with product managers and the development team. Um, so, and that's why at Zendesk we try to you know, we try to focus a lot on the boundaries of the solution, the problems, instead of the instead of the solution. I think that's a. I mean, it's fantastic. I love all these examples of giving that. I mean, that illustrates it really nicely. Like, firstly, that you shouldn't take you know feature requests on on face value. Um, secondly, that you know the importance of uh, of customer research, and then and then finally, I, I love that point that you make about empowering your product teams. That's like a really really good thing to take away. Just giving them the power to be creative and then to design the best solution. And, and that example you've given is just, that's fantastic. That shows that shows exactly why this approach is is so kind of in, important to the success of the product. If you've seen adoption like that by understanding the, the problem, then, you know, that's fantastic. You would never, I'm, you know, I can, I'm sure we can both say confidently you would never have had that adoption rate or that response with the customer base if you had just built a survey monkey, if you'd just, you know, taken that request at face value. So that's a... That's a fantastic story to share. So thank you for that. Yeah, um, and uh, by doing so, this is this was, you know, really good learning we had is by focusing on the problem. I think we we came to understand that it's actually a lot better for the customer, and it's it's really important. Um, even though the customer don't don't come and and talk about their problems, and they, there's a tendency to focus on the future. Um, we came to realize that it's you know it's it's very important for for delivering a better customer experience, and I thought um, <clears throat> for audience for your audience I thought we would you know have a little role playing game where um, you would be the customer and I will be your account manager and through that example through that um, that play it's hopefully it's gonna it's gonna become clear why understanding the problem. Or talk, you know, have the customer talk about the problem is is important. So um, I actually, and I've shared a little bit of a, a little bit of a script, um, but um, which I think was going to give a give us a really good example. And and the example that you know the role we're going to be playing is something we, something we run a you know we run across at Zendesk kind of all the time. So this is a. And I think it's an example also that you guys, um, this is a request that you guys have. Um, shall we Shall we do that? Let's do it. I love that you did this. I think it's brilliant. Thank you for putting the time into it. No one has ever sent me a little script before. So it's, yeah, it's fantastic. And I think it, 
like you say, illust illustrates this perfectly. Um, so, okay, I'm the role of the customer. So, hi, Pierre. We've been using your knowledge-based product for six months, and we've got this amazing idea. Um, why don't you allow us to quickly duplicate an article, like one-click copy or something? Um, this is necessary, and like obviously, every knowledge-based product has this feature. Like even even Google Docs does it. Pierre, what's going on? Yes, hello, Anna, and your account manager. Very nice to meet you. Um, we understand the request. Um, we've we've heard that before. Um, we know it's on the communities. Um, unfortunately, I just check with, after checking with the product managers, uh, it appears that it's not on the roadmap. So I'm, I'm really sorry about that. Um, so um, yeah, this is not, this is not something we're planning. Um, and product has no, they, they didn't give me a day. They, they might consider it later on, but that's, that's where it stands at. That's where it's at right now. Okay, so, that's that's very dis that's really disappointing, actually. Right. So if we if we pause this exercise for one second, right? So I I've given you the best knowledge I have, right? I've checked with the product managers, and um, how does how does it feel for an experience? Like like disappointing, and um, you know, like like you're being kind of br like brushed to one side. You you've been polite, but you've not. I don't feel I've been helped. Right. And we have never like we never explored anything, right? It's really, it's really you asked me a question and I, I properly answered it, but there is no kind of thinking out of the box and, and exploring really what you know what we're talking about. And and I might you know I might have more information for you, but I right now like you've not provided me as well with with a lot of lot of things to play with. So let's just let's just resume the exercise. Um, and I'm going to resume it myself and I'm just going to, you know, you know, ask you a very simple question, which is why. So, um, let's go back to the, to the, to the exercise. So, um, Hannah, I've, I heard your feature, feature requests. Um, and, uh, and sorry, we can't, you know, we don't have it on the roadmap, but before you hang up, let me ask you, why do you need this feature? Um, well, our, our legal counsel is forcing us to keep a copy of like every article version. So when we edit an article, we need to keep a copy of the original one. Oh, okay. Um, so how often does that happen? Like, how and how many articles are you talking about? Like, what's what's the impact for you? To be honest, it's only really for like the major updates, and they're typically around the product releases, which maybe happen uh, quarterly. And when that happens, we have to revise 300 articles in our knowledge base. So we probably spend about eight hours just cloning articles, which is feels like a massive waste of time. Yeah, wow. Um, that, this is actually a big impact, and I'm, I'm really, I'm really, really sorry to hear that. That must be that must be painful and frustrating for for you and your colleagues. Um, so I really wish we could do uh, something about it right now. I really wish we had that, that cloning idea, cloning feature you're talking about. Um, however, we've, we've heard the request before, so, so you're not alone. The other thing I can say is first is customers with this problem have actually written best practices workarounds in our help center. So you can go to a help center, do a quick search, um, for um, article copying, and you'll you'll see what are the workarounds there. Um, 
in terms of uh, you know um, using different tools or integration to to help you with that. Second is um, we recently launched a um, a retrieval service. Um, so if you need to to find an old copy of an article, um, you can email us and uh, we can retrieve the article uh, for you. Um, so I'm here. I'm making an assumption that your legal team are trying to keep an article to make sure that if there is a, an investigation, they need to be able to pull up, you know, a, a previous version of an article. So that might that might help you solve this. Um, also, we've, you know, it looks like we're building a article versioning feature. Um, and actually, in fact, this feature is in beta today. Um, we have not publicized the beta, but um, but this this versioning thing would means you'd be able to keep uh, a version, uh, multiple versions of, of a given article, so you'd be able to retrieve it at any given time, retrieve any older version at any given time. So it looks like this would solve your problem. Is that is that correct? That is actually amazing and exactly what I wanted. You are brilliant. Thank you so much. <laughs> Perfect. So all right, let's just stop the exercise for now. Um, so how does like how does it feel as a customer um, to have ex- you know to have explored um, beyond the feature requests? It felt like that you first off that you actually cared um, because you took an interest and, and asked a bit more about it. Um, and secondly, I just felt like I was helped that time. It, well, I didn't feel like I was like uh, brushed aside. You, you made other suggestions as workarounds today, and you actually bothered to understand what I was, you know, the pain point and what you actually needed. And then, like like you said there, the the, the feature that would solve my problem was was actually in beta, which is which is brilliant. You know, that's not going to happen every time, um, but it just felt like a nicer experience. It it felt much more helpful. Great. So hopefully this gives people an idea of kind of what you can achieve just by, you know, digging into, into the issue. Um, but the things we've, we've done here on um, and the podcast is, you know, first is by doing so you can develop empathy for the customer pain, right? Uh, when, I ta- you know, when I ask you about the impact, like how many articles and how often do you do it, Clearly, this is not a really good situation, and if you're interacting with a customer, you want to be able to be empathetic with uh, with the customer pain. Uh, the second thing is we were able to do is I was able to share with you the best practices and all the workarounds that exist today, even though they might not be the cleanest one, but there's you know there's definitely potential value there. Um, the other thing we covered is I was able to tell you other existing features that actually might solve the underlying problem. Uh, and four is, um, you know, I was able to tell you whether or not we have a potential solution on the roadmap, even though you were not asking for a versioning feature. Well, clearly we had a versioning feature on the roadmap. We actually, and that was in beta, um, and that solved your, you know, your underlying problem. So, um, Again, there's just much better exploration, much richer customer experience when you go and talk about uh, the problem. Definitely, and I think everything we've taken 
uh, out of that little role play there as well actually applies to lots of different teams in a SAS organization. Like I can see how this, um, the problem-based philosophy that applies to how customer success work with the customer team, uh, how products interact with teams internally and also with the customer and then support as well. So it's really nice that that approach doesn't just apply to product or you know customer customer success teams. It, it can actually be used all through the uh, all through the company, I guess, which is which is brilliant. Yes, it do- yes it does. We uh, that's been um, that's been a learning, I think, also generally in in meetings. You'll see you know a lot of people try to to jump on solutions a lot, and people don't spend enough time debating the problem. Um, and I think just generally, I mean, if you if you were to explore more the problem space, you would realize that it's a lot easier to agree on the solution after after everybody agrees on what the issue is. But um, and uh, it's actually a good segue into kind of like um, what are the takeaways or like practical advice on on um, what to do with that information in, in your organization. Um, uh, because I think it's, you know, it's, we're talking about kind of high level philosophy and try to, you know, ground it a little more for the audience would be, would be good. It's, um, so for us, this kind of problem centric, uh, philosophy is that is at the core of product innovation and, uh, and support at Zendesk. So, uh, we actually train our support agents, uh, we, which we call advocates, um, but we train them on problem discovery. We actually want them to, um, you know, if someone comes with a feature request, we want them to ask why and get, you know, get more information in order to unlock the value that we just that we just discussed. So that that's potentially, you know, one aspect of um, is you know raising it. Um, it's basically, you know, having more people in the company um, adopting that uh, that philosophy. Um, the, you know, my advice there is to just generally have more of a problem centric discussion, um, this week than what you had last week. Um, it doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be a formal change or a new process that you have at your company. Um, like I would think that a good way to start is by sharing the podcast with people within your company, within your organization, and start a discussion about how you can integrate more of a problem discovery within, you know, within your company. Um, also, potentially engage with, uh, you know, I would I would think you want to engage with customers or giving you feedback around feature requests. Pick, you know, pick a couple of customers every week or every month and call them up. Um, that giving you feedback in the communities. Um, call them up and try to understand the underlying problem. Customers will be super happy to to share their their perspective with you. Um, and as I mentioned before, um, I just think it's uh, problem discovery is just something you can integrate in your daily routine at work, um, like in meetings. Um, try to steer people away from digging into solutions quickly and and get you know get people to discuss the problem space. Um, again, this is a, you know, this is something that if, especially if you're trying to, you know, get buy-in as a solution, you'll realize that getting buy-in on, getting a common understanding on, on the issue at hand, the problems, 
um, it's going to lead people. Um, it's going to make your solution a lot more obvious to uh, to people that are uh, that might not be buying buying into your solution in the first place. Um, so unfortunately, so not a lot of like very crisp things you should be doing, um, but get the conversation going, uh, talk to customers and dig in into the issues. I think is um, is a good. It's kind of my, my, my biggest takeaway, my biggest suggestion for, for the audience today. That is, no, that's, that's fantastic. So I've like, scribbled a few, a few things down and make sure this is all uh, written up. Like you say, if people um, need, need help with this and to get people on board, then I think sharing the podcast and um, you know, like the literature we, we write around it would be really helpful. Um, so I kind of scribbled down uh, key takeaways or think about who this affects in your organization and, and, and how to train them up. Never take feature requests um, kind of on face value, if you like, because uh, it doesn't empower the product team and it doesn't help the customer. Um, engage with customers. I think that's a, that's a brilliant point. And, and again, I think that applies to, to lots of uh, teams within the SaaS organization. Um, and then just, I think, keeping problem discovery like, um, like you say, it's an, it's an approach. And once you're aware of it, you know, bring that into everything you do. Just, you know, like you say, think think about how you talk to people in meetings, how you interact with customers. And um, I guess, Pierre, I'm sure, sure you're the same. Once you've kind of uh, thought about things this way, it's very hard not to, particularly when you see the results you get out of the other the other end of it. It really does become very natural to, to think in that way. Um, is, is that what you've found? I've certainly found that, I think. Yes. Um, I mean... It's it's yeah you start to realize it's more natural. It's you also start to realize that you have more meaningful discussions not only with customers also internally. Um, you know at Zendesk there's always as part of the voice of customer I've, I'm part of the account management and, and support team, and so you know historically before we implemented that that philosophy we were having you know people were going to product managers. And asking for specific features, and product managers were, uh, as product managers, we would basically brush them off. But once we, once we started to, you know, ha- tell people like, hey, we want to have a discussion about the problem, then the discussions were, you know, were opening up. Um, the discussions were a lot richer, a lot more collaborative, um, and uh, and we were, you know, we all all the time we unlock. Um, potential solutions that nobody was thinking about before um, because it's just again talking about feature requests um, it puts you in a, in a specific spot where it's um, you, it just leads to having you know not the right not the right discussion um, there's a lot of other um, there's a lot of other things to, to talk about but <laughs> Essentially, it's been it's been really positive for us. Um, it's um, the entire company is behind this, and uh, and um, we you know we really like it. It's just it's just been you know it just led to a lot better discussions um, across Zendesk, uh, something that um, that was not happening before. Well, that's fantastic, and I, I really really appreciate you sharing um, you know all those examples and stories from Zendesk because it you know it's clearly been um, a, a really big success there, and I, and I hope it uh, hope it continues to go well for you, PN. And, and thank you so much. Thank you very much, Anna. You're welcome. Talk to you soon.